Hello, and welcome to The Simplecast. On this episode, Chris speaks with Tish Oxenreiter about how simple living can help people and families make a big impact both locally and globally. Tish is a well-known blogger, writer, and podcaster. The conversation is great, so let's hear it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Simplecast. My name is Chris Marlowe, and I'm your host, and I'm here with Tish Oxenreiter. Tish, first of all, did I say your last name right? <laughs> yeah, you did. Oh, thank God. I spelled it out literally the way. Okay, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. Our great producer, Ken, did, did, did me a favor there. So, <laughs> Okay, before we dive into the nitty-gritty details of doing good and really is it simple or is it not simple, I have a very, very important question to ask you. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite taco shop in Austin? <gasps> I can't pick favorites. Taco Deli, I think okay. if, if I'm forced to suddenly choose, ta- uh, Torchy's is a close second, but I do like Taco Deli more. I yeah, think. yeah, I'm with you. I, I literally help one now was launched almost out of Taco Deli up in North Austin. So good that memories. Makes, yeah, that makes it an even better thing. Yeah. Awesome. So, hey, real quick, why don't you just tell the listeners kind of about who you are and what you do just for a second, then we'll jump into some of the key questions. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. My name is Tish Oxenreiter. I am a native Austinite, but uh, we just moved back here a little less than a year ago because we travel a lot. And the we behind that statement is my husband and three kids ages almost six to 11. My day job is as a writer. I write books. I run a blog called theartofsimple.net and I do a podcast called The Simple Show. The Simple Show. Hey, I like that. It's kind of close yeah, to the Simple Cast. It is. <laughs> okay, so real quick, I'm a little intimidated because basically you're like a podcasting pro and I'm a rookie. So, uh, <laughs> you know, if I mess this up, you could just. You know what? Me. I still learn things. Five years later, I'm still figuring it out. So, oh, right you, there. Ha, have you been podcasting for five years? Yeah, 2011. Um, wow. We've gone through some different iterations, though. So, we relaunched last summer nice. um, and it's so much more fun now. But, yep, long time, dinosaur. Awesome, sweet. You're on the you're on the front wave of that movement. <laughs> I was. It's yeah. crazy. And we'll we'll include that link into the show notes. So for the last few years, you, and you just talked about your website, The Art of Simple. You've been mm-hmm. kind of talking about what it means to live a more simple life. And then I would love for you to talk about what that means to you and and how how you connect that to doing good. Because one of the things I wrestled with in the book is doing good is simple. The work can actually be complicated. You know, fighting extreme poverty fighting trafficking, all these complicated global issues. But for most men and women here in America, we're trying to simplify that story. And so as you think about simplifying as well, how do you think those two connect? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, simple doesn't always mean easy, I say sometimes. Yes. (laughs) So my broad definition of simple living is living holistically with your life's purpose. And the reason I like that definition is because it's not checklist involved. And I think that's what people think a lot of times whenever they hear simple living. You know, it means only living with one car or, I don't know, recycling everything <laughs> and not be trash or, you know, living a certain way when it really has so much more to do with what we're called to do, a.k.a. your life's purpose. And then once you figure that out, all the little parts of your life are pointed in the same direction holistically. So your job, your community that you live among, how you spend your money, all these bigger, broader things, they all point generally towards our life's purpose. And then once we do that, we're much more able to say no to the things that just aren't part of that purpose. 
so we have room to say an astounding yes to the things that do. And so therefore our time, our money, our resources are better aligned and we can sleep better at night because they make more sense to us. And so when I think about the doing good part of it, it comes down to that life's purpose, you know, and that's a big, broad question that people can feel overwhelmed by. And I don't mean it in some big, like, okay, go off to a monastery up in the mountains and spend a week in silence and figure it out. A lot of it is the nitty gritty day stuff, you know, I have a course that helps people figure that out where a lot of times it's those things in the back of our mind we know are true about us. We just need to pause and think through it. And there's lots of little clues throughout our day one, when it comes to the doing good part, you know, a lot of times to me, that's about what our passions are, you know, yeah. what maybe stirs us up, what maybe makes us angry, what bothers us, mm. what causes us to tear up. And sometimes that can be shown best through things like movies and music, yep. you know, but if we can break down what was it about that, that really stirred us, then we can incorporate that into our life's purpose. And then all those little things, the choices we make, how we spend our money, for example, you know, buying fair trade chocolate instead of the other stuff. Those little things can make a big difference and then we can sleep at night because they're part of who we are. Yeah, thank you so much. And that's, man, it's so good because oftentimes when I'm in conversation about the work that Help One Now does, you know, global orphan care and community development, all these, this language and this, this world that most folks they know it exists, but they don't know how to engage with it because it's so big and so massive. And yet one of the things I, I've seen, it's almost a barrier for folks who really want to live a more others-focused life, is how complicated their own lives are. So I, if you could do me a favor, tell, tell us the name of the course that you have and just give us a two or three or four minute breakdown of kind of what you teach in that course. Because what, what, what I'm trying to help folks realize is like if you simplify your life the day-to-day part of your life, you'll have more time and resources and even mental space to really live a more others-focused life. Can you help connect those two dots? Yeah, for sure. The course I created, it was while we were traveling around the world and I was seeing all this firsthand. So I very much get what you're talking about. It's called Upstream Field Guide. And so the idea uh, that stems from that name is living simply does require paddling upstream, aka against the stream of our culture. It feels like with every stroke of our oars as we're going through life, sometimes we just have to really push against what feels normal to the rest of the world. And it's it's those little things usually that do cause it, you know, choosing to do something that, you know, the rest of the world would say, well, that's not a big deal. Like buying ethical clothing, for example, mm-hmm. choosing to spend $10 more on a t-shirt and have fewer of them so that they were made ethically or, you know, not used by you know not made by children or whatever it is Um, those kind of things so the course is an eight uh, session totally self-paced e-course where I interview several of my friends and it's all podcast format with pdf so people can journal through it and it helps people think through step by step what their purpose is kind of what I was saying earlier helps people figure out some of those things what makes them come alive and then once they figure out their purpose that takes about the first three or so sessions the rest of that it breaks down all those little parts you know it gives us permission to say okay all i'm going to think about right now is my house does my house reflect my purpose you know my desire to live simpler so others can live Mm, simply live you know am i am i doing that right am i inviting people into my home that can challenge my my worldview and my kids am i choosing to not overbuy so that i don't have to spend all my time cleaning so i can be out in the world doing something else you know all those little bitty things 
it just breaks it down. And then and because it's lifelong, this course, it's like a one-time yeah. you know, entrance kind of thing, you can go back to it throughout the years and figure out, okay, how am I doing? A little checkup. So that, that's the purpose of the course. That, that sounds awesome. So, one of the, so help, 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 help the listener understand the importance of intentionality when it comes to living simple because you don't, you don't just kind of, this doesn't just happen automatically, right? Like you literally have to be intentional on following through and creating a more simplified lifestyle. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole idea of upstream. You know, if we just kind of float, by nature, especially here in the U.S., our Western worldview does not applause simple living. You know, it's a buzzword (laughs) these days. It is. So people might think, oh, yeah, it is. You know, you read about minimalism all over the Internet. But really, you know, our day-to-day life, you know, you go to the store and they everything is bombarding you. You go to a PTA meeting and you feel guilt-tripped into signing up for everything or whatever it is. And so, yeah, you have to be intentional in order to stick. No, that doesn't mean being a jerk or being holier than thou at all. It means knowing what you're about and staying true to that so that you can, at the end of the day. And the other thing I find funny is I think there's this idea these days, maybe prescribed by certain books and philosophies, that simplifying your life is a one-time thing. Like it's Mm -hmm. a one-step, you know. Just go through your house, get rid of everything, and you'll never have to do that again. And I don't think that's true for a minute, especially for those of us with kids. Yeah. Because you have different life stages. You have, you know, different priorities, different parts of life call for different stages. And so I've been writing about simple living for over eight years, and I still need to go through and do some of this checkup. How am I doing? Am I still living intentionally? You know, and readjust all throughout. You know, it's a course. It's a long haul thing. So you, you just kind of tweak things here and there, and and it gets easier as you go. But yeah, it's very much an an active intention. Yeah, that's awesome. I think one of the things we all wrestle with is there are these buzzwords that we kind of embrace: simplicity and minimalism. Just what you talked about. They're buzzwords, but I think a lot of people, and and I think your your guide will help them. Like, how do you actually put this into practice? And when you do, there's this new space created: calendar cash, mental space. For me, I get overwhelmed mentally all the time. There's so much going on. It's unbelievable. But mm-hmm. so so you guys did a trip around the world with your family. I'm yeah. assuming that trip, you saw a lot of different things. How was it, How, how connect doing good and your family journey, kind of how you integrated doing good with your, your husband and your kids on this worldwide trip that you took? Yeah, we used to live overseas doing uh, working with nonprofits in a variety of fashion. And then when we moved back home, we continued working with a nonprofit that helped. It's called Member Care. It basically helps the people that are out there on the front lines take breaks. Mm. We have found that a lot of people, whenever they're just out there 24-7, burnout happens really fast. And we wanted to lower that attrition rate, so we joined an organization that helps lower that through guest houses around the world. So part of what we did on our trip you know, I don't talk about it much online, but we visited several of these guest houses to see how they're doing and to see what yeah. do people out there in the front lines need on a regular basis so that they can take these breaks. So we did that, but we also made, you know, kind of what we were saying, these little choices. We made choices along the way to be both intentional in showing our kids different things that they can be part of because, I don't know, we, we feel like part of our job as parents is to raise the next generation to do an even better job than we're doing now, yep. you know, and so I, we wanted to expose our kids to a lot of the world's problems, you know, and not to shelter them from that. So we went to some harder places. I mean, not the hardest, hardest, you know, war zones, but we went to um, some places that were not 
comfortable, you could sure. say, yeah, yeah. and let them just play with kids. You know, yeah. I think a lot of that is important for stretching their worldview, stretching other people's, you know, to, to help see that we're a lot more similar than we are different, most people in the world. So we did a lot of that. We visited one of our compassion kids that we sponsor, and we just ask good questions. Honestly, I think a lot of what we need to do in the Western world is listen. Mm, yes. And, um, and so we did a lot of that, you know, a lot of just sitting and talking with locals and just letting them tell us their stories, letting them change us in small ways, you know, yep. so that when we come home, we can say things like, you know, I really don't want to spend my money this way, or I really would rather focus my time and my work over here. So that was a lot of what we did. You yeah. know, my kids are still really young, so we couldn't do a lot of first hand, let's roll up our sleeves and get dirty kind of stuff. Sure. Our youngest was four when we left. Wow. So yeah, yeah. Br- so you guys just, are brave. <laughs> it, was, it was fun. It was it was a lot of work, but it was really fun. I took my two teenagers last year to Japan, Thailand, and Burma. And by the end of that three week trip, I wanted to, um, let's just say I was happy to get back home. It was, <laughs> right. Oh, I get that. I was happy to. <laughs> the travel logistics were crazy. Okay. So two more questions. So, so you, you met your compassion child sponsor, right? On the trip. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, when they hear the word child sponsorship, and you know, what if doing it was simple? We talk about it all the time, like just sponsoring a kid actually does make a significant difference. Help with now seeing uh, literally communities transformed by by people saying yes to, to $40 a month to like stand behind a child and a community leader. What was it like to like meet your kid? And, and what was the impact on, your, on the kid's life through your sponsorship? Because if there's one thing I want people to understand is we can't change the world overnight we we can't fix all the world's problems but like even sponsoring a child absolutely makes a difference in the world yeah it's like that mother Teresa quote about if you can't feed 100 people just feed one i mean i think that's what these child sponsorship programs do i feel the same way as anybody listening i was super skeptical this is not my first time to meet we supported another child and we met her in 2011 or i did on another trip and so I knew what I was getting into a little bit, but it was still such a, a good shot in the arm reminder of, oh my gosh, this really matters. So yeah, we, we sponsor a kid and you know, it's easy to think, gosh, what good is this gonna do me? But what, or then, what we saw, and I think this is the most important thing, is really we were supporting an entire family. Yes, yep. Through that money, yeah, okay, they put a face to a name through this child, we write letters back and forth, and we definitely care about this one child, but he's got four other siblings, and, and he's being raised by a single mom, yep. and that amount of money goes so far to this family. He was in Ethiopia, and mm-hmm. you know, just, just what we think of as like, this really isn't gonna make a dent, makes a huge difference, and when you support a family, you're also supporting a community. Yep. And so it, it really has a ripple effect way more than we appreciate. And I think going to visit firsthand was such a good reminder of that. You know, you can see firsthand it really does matter. Yeah, I love that. We, you know, it's hard. I mean, obviously, I'm I lead a nonprofit. And we have a child sponsorship program, uh-huh. and so often when I talk about it, it's like, of course, I'm trying to you know build our program. But if you sponsor a child through a reputable org like Compassion or Food for the Hungry or World Vision or Hope Chess, all these amazing orgs out there, like. You're literally, you are living out the story of doing good and keeping it simple. And um, it's good to hear kind of kind of that story from you. So when, when, we, when, we wrestle, when you wrestle with simplicity, tell us or help us or maybe coach us even on how you learn how to say no. Because there are so many, trying to manage our yeses is so complex in our world. And mm-hmm. one of the things I wrestle with in the book is like helping people understand you actually need to say no more than you need to say yes. And when you see when you say yes, kind of be committed long term to that yes. So how have you learned to kind of 
how to say no so you can live a more simple life. That's good. I like that. You know, part of that comes back to the life's purpose, where once you have a better grasp of of what you're about, it's easier to say no. But sometimes it's still hard to say no to the things that are really good. Um, (laughs) I mean, we we have no uh, limit to what we could actually do in the world. And so that that's the part that gets really hard. I, you know, I hate to say that there's this gut reaction, but there is, there's this gut response that we feel if we simplify our lives enough to where we can slow down and take the time to really connect with sort of our God-given responses to things, then I think we, we have a sort of deep-seated knowing whenever we're supposed to be about something. For example, well, there's lots of different issues going on in the world today, but for <laughs> me personally, whenever the refugee crisis hit mm. its peak not too long ago, particularly in Europe, my heart just plummeted and I could not stop thinking about it. Yep. I had a pit in my chest. I read about it nonstop, you know, and there's personal connection for me having lived in Turkey and Kosovo and knowing some of these people and just wanting so badly to be over there. I mean, I really did. I was looking up, you yeah. know, can I take my kids to go and we can hand out whatever. Yep. And then um, I, I realized, okay, I can't do a lot, but I have a platform. So we made t-shirts and donated 100% of the t-shirts, you know, to, to yes. cause that kind of small thing. It's like, it's not a lot. It's not as much as I want, but it's one thing. But I think when it comes to saying no to these other things, there's so many other good, good issues that I'm so glad some of my friends are about. I think it helps me to remember that there is a difference between saying, no, that's not my calling, and no, I'm not going to listen. I think it's still important for me to listen and to hear and to learn. You know, maybe not necessarily taking up the flag and this being my cause isn't necessarily what I'm about, but that doesn't mean I'm still not required to listen to my fellow man, you know. And so whenever there's issues of, say, some racial tensions here in the States. I feel called to listen. You know, maybe, maybe it's not necessarily my flag to wave, but I still feel called to listen. And so that gives me a little piece saying, maybe that's my no, but that's not my no to, you know, putting my head in the sand. I'm still here to listen and to learn and not to walk away. Mm -hmm. And yet I can channel maybe my money, my time, my energy towards refugee issues. You know, this is just an example for me but that, that helps me sleep at night yeah and i love that too because one of, one of the actually stories i talk about in the book is when haiti earthquake we did a t-shirt campaign thought we'd sell a couple hundred we sold thousands of t-shirts folks wanted to find a way to give it kind of integrated into their budget they have a clothing budget so they you know we were able to buy a t-shirt we gave proceeds raised 40 50 dollars we didn't change the whole world we didn't change all of haiti but to the four or five orgs that we donated to that made a huge difference in that moment. So even buying T-shirts with intentionality and with in organizations that are that are trustworthy, that actually does make a huge difference. So let me ask you a question: Who were the orgs that you supported for the refugee crisis? We rotated um, yep. through because we had quite a few that we wanted to support. Yep. We supported our friends Preemptive Love yep. with Jeremy Courtney. We did uh, IRC. Yep. And who were just right down there doing direct, like handing out life jackets kind of stuff. We did, one of my friends, Brady and Amber Black, I'm gonna, I cannot remember, I'm constantly forgetting the name of their organization, but they, oh, Home of Hope, hello. Yeah, yep. They run a home in Lebanon for street and refugee kids. So we did some with them as well. That's awesome. Love that. Love if, you know, listeners, if you want to get involved in the refugee crisis, it's still going on. Go mm-hmm. support those orgs. I love Jeremy. I love Preemptive Love and those other orgs. So it's really awesome. All right. So give us two or three resources. If you're trying to live a more simple life, obviously we you have your upstream guide. Uh-huh. Two, two or three other resources that you would recommend 
to folks who are trying to say, man, my life's overwhelming. I want to live more intentional. I want to live on purpose. I want to simplify. What are the two or three resources they need to check out? <laughs> oh, putting me on the spot. Oh, you know what? <laughs> I am going to say these are kind of unconventional resources maybe. Yep. And I don't even know if you could call them resources, but <laughs> a cardboard box. Wow. Because maybe like eight to ten cardboard boxes or trash bags. And consider getting rid of uh, ten things a day for ten days. So at the end of that, a hundred things around your house. Not necessarily, you know, to donate to some good cause, but to start simplifying your own life. Mm. Because I think once we, what a lot of times we think we need to go out and do some big, huge thing, and a lot of times it's within our four walls. Yep. You know. Yep. And so I think that is a really good <laughs> small step. And I know that's not necessarily a thing to link to, but I really, really promise. That's a big, big uh, step toward, you know, a lot of times people come to me overwhelmed with what's the first thing I should do, and that's usually what I tell them. Get rid of something in your physical space, because that's also one of those action begets action things. It's like when you exercise, you yes. know, you don't feel like going out, but as soon as you get up, you're, you have those endorphins. It's the same thing, yep. and it's sort of a ripple effect. The second one, and I'm not even sure this is going to be, I think it goes live in July, so not too long from when we're recording here. It is a, a resource called Stories Around the World, and it's audiobooks for kids. That It's a new thing where they are telling stories based on other kids and set in other locations. And the, the goal of the, their stories, I guess, is to open up just everyday kids' lives to what's happening around the world. And it's mm, not like hard stories. It, it's engaging, fun, like I want to listen to a story kind of story. It's not like, you know, now we're going to tell you about life, all of, you know, the world's problems right now. It's actually <laughs> yeah, fun. Yeah. It's in these small little ways that can encourage kids to really start thinking globally instead of just, you know, in their neighborhood. And honestly, a compendium to go with that is a good book that comes out uh, June 6th and it's called Give Your Child the World. And it's the same thing. It's a, it's a book of books basically, and it's organized by location. So you flip to the chapter on Africa, and then it's broken down by country. And these are all the children's books set in that place. Mm. And it's written by my friend Jamie Martin, and she's done a fabulous job. I wrote the forward to it. And and it's just such a good resource for these parents that really want to, to do to raise up the next generation to do an even better job than we are right now. Yeah, I love that. I love those resources. I love the organizations that you talk about. And I love the cardboard box idea because sometimes we just need to get started. We need one simple action step that mm -hmm. will snowball into a better life. And I think that will that will be helpful. So, okay, real quick, how can people get to know more about you? Well, I am on the blog at theartistsimple.net. I run a community blog, so I'm on there about once a week. And, and then a friend is on in, uh, the other part of the week. And then I have The Simple Show, and that's thesimpleshow.com. And then everywhere else on the internet, I'm at either at Tish, T-S-H, on Twitter, and Tish Oxenreiter, everywhere else. That's O-X-E-N-R-E-I-D-E-R. Awesome. <laughs> Tish, thank you so much for hanging out with us. We'll have all of that info in the show notes. I definitely think you live an intentional life, you and your family, and you help all of us learn how to simplify. And when we simplify, we can definitely do more good in the world. So thank you for what you do and for being on the Simplecast. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Bye. You too. Thanks, Chris and Tish. You'll find links to a few of the things that they talked about today at our show notes. You can follow Tish at Tish Oxenrider and follow Chris at Chris Marlowe. The Simplecast is produced by Austin Collins and me, Ken Newsbaum, and our intro and outro music is provided by Lamar Stockton. 
You can find out more at lamarstockton.com. For Chris and Tish, thanks for listening. And until next time, do good, do it well, and join with us to do good together. Thank you.